Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, one second, boys. Hey, hockey world. Um, we'll wait for Jan. Hold on. Just everyone stay around. Hi, Jan. Okay. Um, now the rest with something to say. Well, Major League Baseball is back, and I'll say in quotations, it's back. It, it's not going to be the game that we all knew. Uh, it's going to be a bastardized, different kind of version. But, you know, and, and I wouldn't say that about all the sports coming back, but the changes that have been made in this sport are pretty drastic. And one of the worst things I wrote about on Sportsology, people could check it out. But one of the worst things is starters are going to get like 12 starts, right? So the Cy Young Award is likely going to go to a reliever, which it almost never does. And that will be the perfect ending of a season like this because – it's going to be a disaster. It's just, there's going to be so many things that are going on. The other thing, you know, with the pitchers having a damp cloth in their back pocket, uh, it's going to be pretty easy to put stuff on that too, if they wanted to and put it on the ball. So we'll see how this all shakes out. They're going to be constantly replacing balls because every time a pitcher rubs it with his hands or, you know, touches the bill of his cap or something like that. They're going to be afraid that there's going to the be. New bulk. It'll be the new bulk. <laughs> yep. Can I just say something here? You baseball people make me sick. Just absolutely sick. I mean, it, you're getting, we're getting, we're getting a sport back. It's the year of the virus. We're doing our best. If a guy's got to have something in his back pocket, just deal with it. I mean, no, my but- God, you're getting your sport. You're getting to watch games. I mean, Wait a second. the change the Mister Hipster. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> the, ch- the changes made. Because I have just because I have hair, I don't have to. Just because I have hair doesn't mean you know. Okay, now we I, I don't care. Um, it's sort of 50-50. Anthony's got Eklund's got hair. I've got half a head, and then we got the two baldies. Um, I've got hair that if you know. If I don't shower, I have to wear a hat. Well, Eck, what, when what I don't you wear feel, a hat, you know I'm not trying. I'll just give Eck, you that. What do you feel about a sport that now that they've come back, have not mentioned or done anything for the fans the entire way? Matter of fact, season ticket holders only got half a refund, and well, that, single ticket there. there and, hold there, on, oh, single there. ticket holders have only gotten half a refund if they asked for it, and that's because the rest of the season has been hasn't been technically postponed yet in Ticketmaster and on their websites. There, uh, you go go at them as much as you want. I get that completely. But as far no, as there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff. As far as the game itself, that's going to be played on the field. I mean, that it just there's going to be some changes. There's still going to be three outs in the inning. There's still going to be four balls to no, a walk. No, no, no. I mean, there's there are significant changes here. Putting a runner on second base in extra innings. Act. They're making changes to the end of games that that are about as drastic as having a shootout uh, settle right. hockey. And that that was what I was thinking with regards to the runner on second in um yeah. in, in extra innings. That was that was like wow, this is baseball shootout now. Yeah, and it's yeah. terrible. I mean, I get that. I mean, that that's definitely. But there's some of the some of the stuff you guys are talking about. Well, Eck, there's other things that we haven't talked about and I haven't even written about. But as an example, for service time, 
they've figured out like there's a couple players. All they need to do is play one game and they get paid, not paid, but they get their service time for the entire year. There's no more incentive for that guy to play the rest of this weird season if he doesn't want to. And there's a lot of players like that. Oh yeah, no, I get that. I mean, that that's that's a legitimate thing. But I mean, it is about money. This season is not about the fans. It is about money. Well, that's not a surprise. I mean, I mean, wow. really, I mean, it, when when what season was about the fans and not about money? I mean, well, you know, with this one, it's been very spelled out and plainly spelled out that we're only coming back for the money. At least in other seasons, there were players that yeah. you knew that enjoyed playing in front of fans and would be fan friendly and all of that. Once the yeah. virus hit it became just about money. At least not all the other leagues are talking about money. The yeah. NBA really doesn't even talk about money, and the NHL really doesn't talk about money. No, and I agree with all that. I mean, I, 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 does. I mean the NHL's been, you know, <laughs> I think it's in, in the NHL it's a case of, you know, that they worked out their uh, dysfunctional family years ago. You know, like, if right. like you know, we're, I mean, this the MLB is just starting to get to it now, but the NHL, I mean, don't think the NHL is not, you know, saints in this thing. I mean, we missed an entire oh. season. I mean, let's not like forget. Well, baseball, as Russ said, I think the bigger key is clearly the postseason, right? I mean, everything regular season is solely to get you to have a postseason, which is where the material and majority of the money is going to be made. And look, I don't think any of us are surprised by this. Look, and especially with all the consternation and the arguing and where they landed, there is no rational reason this could not have been decided a couple of weeks ago and they could have been playing baseball in July. And had had basically July all to themselves with yep. no other sports. Now they're going to have to compete with with hockey, regardless of how people view hockey, and especially the NBA when the NBA comes back. And NFL training camps are going to be opening as far as we expect. So their their window of opportunity to be the only game in town has really ended. Another another note uh, from a different sport: um, uh, the Avery Bradley of the L.A. Lakers. I think mm-hmm. I believe he was the first one who said. Unless uh, you count Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Ariza from the um, right. Trailblazers. Yeah, well. who's the star? The star player from Portland. Um, well, well, Damian Lillard. Yeah, Lillard, Lillard said he wasn't going to play. Lillard, Lillard said he's not playing, uh, no matter what. But Bradley, for a top tier team like the Lakers, is saying he's not playing because. I don't know if he has a secondary, some sort of uh, uh, pre-existing condition. I think it's, I think it may involve his children. Something that involves his children. Yeah, but uh, but uh, but Russ, the the guy who's apparently going to replace him is J.R. Smith. So th- there's not going to be a drop off at all, is there? Well, J.R. Smith, I don't think played last year though. No, no, I think the last well, thing there's, there's a drop off. You know why Trevor Rees is not playing? Because he's banked like thirty million dollars, considering the Knicks gave him most of it. He's not a good player, so he basically there's no incentive for him to play. He's a solid player in the NBA. He's a good three. Okay. It's just a good three and D player. And now, and, and now Nikola Jokovic announced he's gotten COVID also. So okay, let's let's talk about he's Jokovic. with the Knicks, and that's what bothers you. No, I don't care about the Knicks anymore. Let's talk about Jokovic because that's an interesting one because uh, that entire country has totally discounted this disease right from the get go. Remember, they were still playing hockey with with. You know, when nobody else was playing hockey. So he has the tournament. He has fans there. There's no social distancing. Now, it wasn't tons of fans, but they were close by. They go out dancing in a club. He goes to a club. And then, of course, he ends up with this. And now probably can't play in the U.S. Open, which again was banking on players like him. Well, he wasn't. He already said he already said he wasn't going to play be, unless he could bring his entourage with him. <laughs> right, we discussed that the other day. <laughs> the COVID all. He's an interesting. Novak's a real interesting character. Yeah, I mean, and he's an anti. I mean, I don't go anywhere without my entourage, as you as you folks know. You've seen right. Me. 
But by the way, and he's an anti-vaxxer too, because he was like, well, I don't know if I need this vaccine when it happens. By the way, in the chat, they're saying that uh, with with the hat that you're wearing, that you you, uh, resemble Corey Feldman in the movie (laughs) Dream a Little Dream. What movie are we talking about? Dream a Little Dream. Dream. Well, wasn't his co-star had the Graham in that one? I've I've got the Corey Feldman thing before. I've got. I think you just need white gloves. I have gotten that before. I used to get. I can, um, it depends on what I, what I wear, but I, I have, I have, I have the ability to let like a John Lennon thing look, look to me too. If I want to, I've got that going on. Um, and I could also, I've also used to I get more Julian, not John, but it's close. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably fair. I mean, I've got the, I've got the Lennon nose apparently. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, better than, better than Vladimir Illich. Yeah, I've also I also used to get Patrick Swayze all the time when I was younger, which is funny because it's like I sat next to Patrick Swayze. Getting it now, yeah. In Atlantic City, I'm not getting it now. <laughs> nice and older. Well done. Older. <laughs> There's still ghosts. There you go. Very oh, nice. It's Phil Collins. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> Mike, where's your hat? Where's you, Mike? You're left. You don't know where to hat, Mike. We need a hat day. Anthony was at the top of the closet or the bottom of the closet. Every Wednesday is hat day. Top. <laughs> yeah. All right. I like it. I like it's it. Just that's when he goes golfing. golfing. Oh yeah. That's like you look like a guy who's going to go up to me and say and say you know hey stop mowing your lawn on Sundays. You know, right. Take my stick at you. <laughs> that's what it feels like you're going to say to me. <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn, lad. Get off. Get yeah, off he looks like he's one of Peaky Blinders. Every Sunday you mow your lawn at the same time. Exactly. Um, Who knows what's in that hat? <laughs> Twenty-seven championships. I like it. I like it a lot. All right, let's yeah, get going. Know, Shall we begin? All right, yeah, here we go. It's the twenty-fourth, I think. Yeah, why not? Sounds right. Yeah, here you go. Okay. Yeah, here we go. Hello, hockey world. It is Wednesday, June twenty-fourth, two thousand and twenty. I'm Michael Agello, and four years ago today, in this very town, the Toronto Maple Leafs drafted Austin Matthews first overall. Oh man. I'm Jan Levine, and thanks for the history lesson there, Mike. <laughs> I'm Anthony Mangione from Center Ice Play Magazine. Russ Cohen from Sports Holiday. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday. This time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And you know what else happened hockey-wise? Another famous thing that happened on this date um, is the Chicago Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup, defeating, um, defeating the Boston Bruins in the final 17 seconds in Boston. Dave Boland. Yep, a crazy, crazy thing. I was. Were you at that one, Russ? In Boston, yes. 2013. When yeah. the Hawks won the Stanley Cup, when we yeah. all thought it was, we all thought I believe it was, I was there. It was like the last 17 seconds. We all thought we was all. I mean, this is this is this is the typical like blogger moment, you know, like hockey blogger moment when you've got your flight figured out on Southwest. Yeah. You're sitting there waiting to hit. Okay, bye, bye, bye. You know, because you don't want to miss it because you got to fly back to Chicago. Well, you know, 17 must- seconds left. Your, your plans change drastically. It, it, must, it must have been something about that building act because I've been told by many a Toronto media member that when it was four one in that famous game seven, yeah. the Leafs against the Bruins, that all the Toronto media were booking okay. their flights to New York City because yeah. they were going to play the Rangers in the second yeah. round, and obviously, those- well, that's something you have to do because you know, like we're all fight- yeah, it's a necessary thing. It's not out of arrogance. You're sitting there, and there's, there's a lot of people you know. There's a whole machine that's going to go from one city to the other. I had someone in Chicago, so that wasn't a problem for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had to get, you know. So I was, I was ready to go. We were all ready to go, and then suddenly, you know, before you know it, the 
the, the, the I never, you know, that, that fleet center went, I think it was the fleet center at that point or whatever. TD it Bank. was the fleet center then. No, uh, completely quiet, you know, within a matter of seconds. It was just nuts. Um, how the Bruins won two of their Stanley Cups there, you know, the way they won against the Flyers, the way they won that one, just bizarre win, bizarre ways to win. Well, uh, we, we we will talk we will talk about the uh, about the Bruins. Hopefully. Get in the Bruins, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, but let, can we start with uh, some rather well, relatively breaking news? Elliot Friedman reported about twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Um, that now the assumption was, and I know that you reported uh, on the weekend that there was uh, talk of Vancouver's yep. uh, place in terms of being one of the two hub cities rising yep. to the point that it was reported yesterday that. Hotels were being hotel booked. rooms are being booked. Yeah. Well, apparently, their bid has hit a snag, and now they're not so sure that that it's going to be Vancouver. And I, I made an observation to the wow. to the guys before we started that it's ironic that, and maybe not connected at all, but it's ironic that all of a sudden Vancouver has hit a snag as soon as Toronto made a, a, a renewed bid yesterday that included basically access to the entire CNE complex, the Raptors uh, practice facility, a 400 room hotel on the waterfront, the, the Coca-Cola Coliseum for practice. I mean, this whole elaborate uh, uh, situation. Everything but Tim Horton's donuts. Yeah. yeah well, the, 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 what are they? Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll throw those in, Russ. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they will. But, I mean, it's they may not be connected at all, but they might be connected. You know, the one thing, we've all stayed in Vancouver. The hotels are not close by the rink. Like, no, they're that, not really. They're not. The rink is in its own little area a little that bit. That could be a deal breaker when you have the other cities where they're closer mm -hmm. by. Yeah, I think so. I think that, I mean, it's funny that Chicago took such a big um, leap forward yesterday, too. Like, and I wrote about yeah, that. I, I'm still puzzled by that one. I'll be honest. Um, and it is kind of puzzling because there was one thing about Chicago, like you talked about before, like the getting around thing and yeah. traffic to get from place to place. Chicago is the worst. It, it like, is. It's the worst of all the cities we've <laughs> talked about. And no one, nothing comes close to trying to. Boston can be pretty bad. Boston yeah. can be bad, but. With Boston, you, you can take a, a subway there. Like you can get on yeah. the you can get a train to take the, But if you want to get from the, I mean, I've, we spent hours in going from the Chicago hotel to the United Center. I mean, just like ridiculous amounts of time. I I, I spent like 90 minutes once with um Austin met with um no with uh, Connor McDavid and Eichel right behind me in Chicago as we drove like on that, on the bus yeah. from it's just that place that is the traffic in Chicago. And there are another one where the hotels aren't right there. You're not, you're not, there's nothing around that arena. So yeah, that's, but that, there's but maybe there's, they're around the new practice arena. Did that open yet? Ek? It must be something like that. I mean, there's some, there was, there was, I mean, what, what? it must be oh, something. Someone had an answer on that. Okay. I don't know, but I, I know they're building a new practice facility there. Yeah, they are. I mean, the NHL, like I talked to talk with the NHL, said, yeah, Chicago made a really good good pitch, and they liked it a lot. Um, Edmonton's pitch. You know what it is? They gave them that caramel cheese popcorn. That's what they did. Oh, my God. <laughs> that stuff was friggin' great. It doesn't matter what they say the after that. Most overrated thing in the world, in my opinion, which is deep dish pizza, which is just. Bologna. Oh, my God. Horrendous. I think it's, it's horrendous. Come on, I, the thing is with deep dishes, the fact I, I had it finally when we were in Chicago. And yeah, to me, it's it's not pizza, it's its no. own sort of thing. It's a tomato it pie, is what it is. I'll call it fake lasagna, deep dish pizza. It it's closer, actually, in many ways, it is a little closer. To it's a closer to lasagna than pizza. You know, it's it's like lasagna. It's like lasagna with bread. 
instead you of uh, didn't even field. try to accept it. That's the problem, Mac. Me, I know. I've 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 been to the best place. I've I've been I've been taking. I mean, it's an inch. It's an inch thick of mozzarella with sauce on top with toppings. Right. How bad could that be? Yeah. I mean, if you you know if you want to get congested. Lasagna. Lasagna. I mean, isn't that what lasagna is? I mean, that's what lasagna is. Come on. No, lasagna has noodles. There's no noodles and, on this. Plate. And that has just alienated the entire Chicago bandwidth of this. Yeah, well, right so now. So the traffic from the, from the Windy City. Believe me, it's not the. Pizza I mean, that's, that's, well, trust me, when we start talking about Boston, it's going to be like you know what? Chowder's overrated. No, it isn't. No. no. <laughs> I'm gonna have to take your word if it's good or it's not, boys. Wait till we get the cheesesteaks. <laughs> uh, same thing. I'm taking your word on that one too, guys. Yeah, I know. Cheesesteaks. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, anyway, but no, let, we got off track. It wasn't the. It wasn't the. Uh, it's not. It's not the deep dish pizza that Chicago got it for. That's for sure. It's uh, flames. Flamester in the chat is asking if there's been any update on whether the West teams will play. Like, if there's one Eastern. They haven't said anything about that. Yeah, they haven't said yeah. anything. But I, you know, I, I know that there was contradictory reports. First, they said the East teams would go West and West East. Yeah. I mean, if they want to avoid any kind of minute advantage, home ice, then they would do that. But maybe they believe the costs would would be. Yeah, they think it's ridiculous. I talked to people about that, and I wrote I wrote a story about that over the weekend. I guess it was. And yeah, there's this. They're not. That's not what they want to do. They want to have okay. the east teams in the east, the west teams in the west. Now, um, one other note regarding we, we mentioned yesterday that uh, the league would be moving to what I called phase two point five, meaning uh, an increase of the size of the uh, number of players in each group from six right. to twelve. Uh, yeah. The Tampa Bay Lightning have reopened their their right. facilities today, in spite of the fact that. Uh, COVID-19 is spiking in Florida, but they're, you know, they're, they're operating under, I guess, more str uh, stringent, uh, uh, yeah. you know, Teams like this should just yeah. get out of town. I mean, like the like Arizona should get out of Arizona. Absolutely. Just, I mean, again, I don't know why, don't know why saying, just go North for a couple of weeks, go to Buffalo yeah, just like, or something I mean, like that. Yeah. Yeah, just find another, you know, go to Canada or, or something. Right, go, find another go. place for a couple of weeks. I mean, I mean, today you guys saw right that um that in that that the governor of like New York and New Jersey and, and um yeah Connecticut put out this thing, you know that you know if you go to travel here from a place from a state where there is um right you know, a problem. New, New York, New York has become state. Canada basically. Is what yeah, I mean. yeah. There's a 14 day quarantine now, which is which makes sense. I mean, you know, so it's like that. Uh, that's something that's probably not going to be very negotiable for sports teams. That's yeah, I mean, it's not going to be. And we we could we could see that, you know, in places like Vegas, you know, too. I mean, in one. You well, know, actually, actually, Russ Cuomo did say in the press conference that like situations like the Yankees, it sounds like there's going to be a waiver for. Well, the Yankees, they may not stay there. That's why they'll play there. And then they might go stay in Westchester or something. Well, like, they're, you know. they're, they said they're holding spring training at Yankee Stadium. No, I know that. But it doesn't mean they're staying in New York City. They're not going to stay in New York City. I think they're staying at their own individual. Uh, yeah, they might stay at their own houses. Isn't there already a spring training. I mean, did they already have spring training? They season? did, and now this is like spring training 2.0. Yeah, yeah. They, have to, they have to ramp up their physical activity, just like the because, you know, Yeah, because, you know, baseball, it's a grueling sport to play in. Um, you have to okay, but stop. You know, no, I mean, no, those guys, no. they're not in shape. You're, I mean, you're, you're not fighting up for a battle. You are never going to win on the call. Hours, so. You're not in shape. I mean, standing in the middle of the field for three hours is not – I mean, I've tried to do it out of shape, and it's hard. I mean, Right, because flopping around in nets a lot harder. I got you. It is way harder, yeah, for sure. No question about it. Right. You get, you get definitely – Standing in the middle of the field. 
Um, anyway. You know what? I played in a hundred degree game last week, last summer. You mm -hmm. play in a hundred degrees for seven innings, moving around, running the bases, playing the field. You tell me how you feel compared to playing on the ice and just having to stop a few pucks. Uh, yeah, well, sure. I'll do that anytime, any day of the week, any day of the week. Mm -hmm. I played baseball my whole life. I was a baseball player. I was a little, I was a little league all-star yet. I played baseball my whole When's life. When's the last time you ran? <laughs> I run every day. <laughs> I've gotten in great shape. Don't call me out, man. I'm doing, I'm in my best shape I've been in in 10 years right now. I'm so, I, I, uh, we, we talked about the hall of fame yesterday and yeah. we a chance you're getting you out of a burger cup over there, Russ. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Every day it's a cup from another place. I play pickleball every day. Um, okay. But, uh, uh, as Mike was saying, uh, I want to bring in my two cents on the hall of fame for a second too, because I know you guys talked about yeah. it. The announcement was coming up probably any minute, right? I forget when they. No, oh, four thirty. Four thirty. Okay, four thirty. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I threw a couple names out there that I still just are baffling to me. One of them is Mike Richter, that I just think that it's just like every time the Hall of Fame comes around, that Mike Richter's not in there. And I know, like, I, I looked on Mike Richter's um, Wikipedia page, and there, right at the top, says Mike Richter's number three in the all-time Rangers greats. Um, you know, and how and how many people in the all-time Ranger greats, Russ, that are in the top ten are not in the Hall of Fame? It's true. He he's probably he's probably the only one. No, is there may be two. There may yeah. be two. But the idea yeah. is, heck, seven goalies have only seven have gotten in since nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I mean that's that's fine. But he's one of them who should be. I mean, like literally the guy. Well, why don't you name him? We named them all. There's another ten goalies yeah, we that went, could be in. Yeah, we went through all of them. Barrasso yesterday. We went through Vernon. We went through Cujo. We went through Osgood. I, I just think that I mean I think Richter you know and I, you know guys I grew up hating the Rangers and, and Great Gloria is right around the corner but you know grew up right around the corner for me but mm -hmm. I um I still I have like a really tough time imagining that again you know he literally won a Stanley Cup for the Rangers if not for Richter we're still chanting 1940 um and mm -hmm. and you know and he not only wins the Rangers to Stanley Cup but he wins the World Cup for the Team USA he won both those tournaments I mean and when you say he won them he literally was the one who won them. Um, to me, and that—that's like I'm not going to argue, but again, man. the the history of goaltending in the Hockey Hall of Fame is horrible. Well, two names two names that we didn't mention because we we talked to Ginla, we talked Ilyash Alfredson, McGillney, yeah, yeah. um, Shane Doan was not mentioned, and honestly, I don't for good reason. Yeah, I don't get the feeling he's a legitimate candidate. I don't know. I mean, here's the thing about Doan. Okay, I mean, it depends how you look at it, obviously, but Doan is the best. Phoenix Coyote player of all time. That sure. Matter. Okay. The best, the best of his team. He also is, he also was a real huge staple on a lot of Team Canada teams, right? Like he was a big player. He was a big player. You know, he's, a, he's not a, he's not a point getter like a lot of the guys necessarily, but right. he's a huge two-way player, a huge leader. I mean, without him, you know, I, I you wonder if the Coyotes are in, are in, are still in that state right now. You know, I mean, he literally was one of the only guys they had, one of the only things they had going early on. Um, he, is just you know and i mean i know he's not going to get like you know huge support he's not like one of those guys but he is when you're the best player ever for your team that you played for i think that i think that like i see alfredson is the same actually like i see alfredson is the no, best i get that we talked about alfredson and i i i said i would put elias in now but elias also has more points in like eight less seasons than don like it's yeah, you know, he's not a point getter but but don is but don was more than way, way more than a point getter but know? he didn't win anything either he did with Team Canada. He won the Messier Award. He won the King Clank. If that's if that's the case, then Ryan Smith should be in the Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, no. But I no. I think he was more. 
influential than Ryan Smith was. I think this. Shane Doan will be watching the awards like the same way we will. The other thing, the other thing I, I mean, I don't know if you guys talked about builders and I mean the feeling. No, we didn't talk about builders. The feeling seems to be that I when I talk to people, talk to people or listen to people out there that Brian Murray is going to get in. Um, and you know, I don't have a real problem with Brian Murray getting in as a sure. builder, but I still don't understand Brian Burke not being in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I mean, to me, Brian Burke it has done so much for such a long time in so many different levels of hockey. I, I actually, he's pissed I actually, off people that are on the panel. That's right. But I, but I actually think that his being in the media now may help eventually get him in. Mm -hmm. um, whereas right. the, the other name I, that I thought you were going to mention, and it would be uh, very controversial based on what happened with him this year. And I think honestly that he probably will not get in until after he passes away is Don Cherry. Don yeah. Cherry, Don Cherry would have been a shoe in eventually, but with everything in terms of him uh, getting let go by by the CBC, um, I don't think he. I, I think it's going to be posthumous. They're not going to. They're not going to let him in until after. I mean, ahead of him though, Mike is is Ron Mc, is McLean. I mean, like it, it's like his 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 um. I mean his his. Well, part, I would put McLean in now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, partner, I mean that there's a guy, you know, that you know the you know whatever. It's, it's, I mean, is is the. Uh, I mean, McLean's not a play-by-play -play guy, so do they qualify for that particular award? You know that, like no, he's not. He doesn't play. But it's a, as far as builders go, it's impossible to say McLean's not a builder of hockey. Yeah. I mean, like if those, I mean, we're we're all in the United States, but you know, like those of us who can watch Canadian television legally know that McLean does um a lot of stuff. In you I mean, can make a case. You can make a case for Dave Hodge, who was a yeah, but. I mean, I would put McLean in before Hodge. There's, yeah, that, there, there's this thing called, um, you know, that the, the, the hockey day, um, I forget what it's called exactly, where they have like they go to a different town each yeah. year. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. CBC does this with Ron, Ron McLean. That's and that's, I mean, it's literally building high, like he's a hockey builder to the upteenth degree. Sure. Right? I mean, I don't get He's a, he's a hockey ombudsman, is what he is. And yeah, he's is. not in the Hall of Fame, is, is absurd to me. Like, that's like, but, um, you know, I really, really think that he yeah. should. Um, uh, Alan Eagleson will never get in. No, he's can. not getting in. And I know who's going to win the Elmer Ferguson, but I can't say. So at five o'clock, I'll I'll be happily tweeting for one of the uh, writers that's very deserving. Well, I mean, I'm just checking. I thought I thought Alan Eagleson might have been might have been in and kicked out. That's possible, but I don't think he ever got in. He was he no no he he was removed. Okay. And re he resigned from the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good – that's that's a nice honor to be able to say. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got to the Hall of Fame and then I left. I you mean yeah. – well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the thing that we talked about, which is the most maddening about the Hockey Hall of Fame, is their lack of transparency for voting. And we have no idea what the criteria is other than a bunch of ex-players, ex-GMs, whoever they decide to have on their panel, just throw around names and talk about it. I've taught yeah, I wrote it in my blog today. The same thing. thing. I mean, that's, that's we're kind of doing that. We can, we've been kind of doing that. I know, but, we, <laughs> yeah, but, but we've applied some <laughs> criteria. Right? We, we've tried to put some. Oh, well, we just don't know what their criteria is. Right, that legal award, status in the league, whether or not he was considered an elite player in his era, the Olympic right. gold medals, Canada Cups, World Cups, and all that may be part of it. But here's a hint: then just come out and say, "Hey, guys, this is part of what we we use as our evaluation sure. process." Even though part of it is subjective. I've, I've I've known people who are on the committee. Um, like Eric Dehashik was on the committee. Um, I've talked to him about it, and uh, he said it is an interesting situation. It is an interesting setup. It's 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 like everybody on the committee comes with their guys for that year, you know, and then they make it. They pitch it to everybody else. Basically, is how it works. 
Well, and, 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 and that works very similar. I, I was yeah. I was I was in contact with somebody who works at the Hall of Fame asking about because I wrote a column about you know five players who are former Leafs that could, are, could be candidates, and one was Lauren Shabbat who played in the '30s, and uh, there there is no veterans committee in the no, no. So basically, if somebody doesn't bring up Lauren Shabbat, he's not getting in. Right. And obviously, since he played in the 20s and 30s, nobody who's alive who saw him is around anymore. And there's very little archival video. Well, you know, you know, it's interesting for the Elmer Ferguson for the writing award. It's not like writers get to nominate who should right. go in or, or the Hockey Writers Association or anything like that. They literally either talk to Eric or there's one other writer, and that is the committee to decide who's going to get in. And it's to me, it's like no offense to Eric and, and the other writer, but it's like it needs to be broader than that. I mean, Stan, Stan Fischler wasn't even around when Lauren Shabbat was playing for the Rangers, so it's still saying he is. Either, right? Well, again, there should be a veterans committee. We said also we said about the, the either builders getting in separately as opposed to being part of the overall population, and then international should be a separate category also where those players are not viewed in the, I can only have X number making yeah. it from the overall total. They should, each one of those should be separate, not part of the overall total that gets in from the main hall. Well, I think the problem with that is the hall of fame itself is terrified of being just the NHL hall of fame. Yeah. And they run right. out, out of the way to not like, they're afraid of that for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like, there's there's not, there's there's long running stuff. It goes back to the WHA. It goes back all kinds of stuff that they. I think really they're the one sport that has a right to be because, like with baseball, yeah. it is the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I mean, right. you might get in from the Japanese League if you never right. played there, but it's Ooh, a real rarity. NFL, same boat. Basketball, right. basketball is a little bit. Basketball, hockey, I think are the two sports the two, that yeah. can really sort of make a separation of yeah. the sport because of how certainly how international. Basketball has become. There are very much international careers and and professional careers that all these hockey players have. They're they're totally separate. They look at them. I, mean, I mean, Russ Sadahara O is not in the in the baseball. I know, game. which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a. Uh, I mean, hockey is more along the lines of soccer, right? Like where they, that you know, there's there's lots of leagues throughout the world, you know, and right, and you know, the NHL is the best league, you know, and you could say. Cool. You know, English league, best league in soccer, whatever you want to say, but there's like, there's still there's all these leagues throughout the well, world. We mentioned yesterday a guy like Vakalov Netamansky, who was who was inducted last year. I mean, his career in the NHL with Detroit, he was not a good player. It was it was way late in his career. He he was he made the Hall of Fame on his international yeah. uh, bona fides, and that's that's fine. But you know, I, I think you yeah, know you can't you can't just say hey because he's the best from that country that he gets in. Like Nathan Walker would be the best Australian to ever play in the NHL or even to play hockey. And he's not getting in. So, yeah, you see like, so funky in our chat room says Luanga should be first ballot. See, that's where. Yeah. But he, but he only retired last year. No, I, yeah, but I don't see Luanga's career as being any better than Mike Richter's career, like in any way, shape or form. Like, I, I don't know how I mean, it really, it really isn't. It isn't. But he I played mean, better. better. He had success at multiple spots. Yeah, play, he, play, he played longer. He won a gold medal. He, he got to a point. I mean, he, he came close to winning a cup. He's second, he's second in career losses. 
So, I mean, he's, I think, third yeah. for wins, but he's second. Well, in he rode through some lean t- – I would say as, as well, because he rode through some lean times with some bad teams. Yeah, yeah I mean, Johnny Bauer. <laughs> Johnny Bauer's got a ton of losses too, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's the reality that if you if you're if you have a long career, you're going to be up there in, ter- in wins, but you're also going to be right. up there in losses. So, right. you know, the top three in wins and losses, the uh, top three in losses are durable. I'm an, I'm an expo. If if you're going to tell me Luongo is better than Mike Richter, I'm going to yeah. argue with you. Yeah. Now, but if you're going to tell me he's more popular, I'll say yeah, you're probably right. He is more popular than Mike Richter. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's because I mean again he's Canadian. Because Richter keeps to himself for the most part. He's Canadian. No, he's Canadian. He's out there with so he's social media wizard. Also, like he's got right. he's got those things going for him. Yeah, Richter does right now with the NHL, like all the green um, initiatives that Richter's. Oh yeah, part but of. I mean he again he's also not Canadian. If we want to bring that up, yeah, no, yeah, the, but, he's, but again he retired before the, the the true era of social media taking over, right? Yeah. So he he his the popularity was different. Granted, right. he was part of the core four in essence for the Rangers in '94, right. but then you had the strike or the lockout, and that kind of ended a lot of the the momentum that was gained potentially. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Russ, the name that has been mentioned prominently in terms of. Uh, the female nominee is Jen Botterill. Yeah, and Botterill's a slam dunk. Like, you she's know. I mean, a couple, but yeah, she definitely deserves to be in. Yeah, if she, there's anybody going up against her, it's going to be nearly impossible to beat. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that she's a think she's in. All right, let's talk about the Bruins, guys. Hey, the Bruins. We're talking about the big bad Stanley Cup for one thirty-eight. So I know I'm going to call them the big bad Stanley Cup favorite. Back into the show. So right, right. Um, in spite of Russ's attempts to delay and deny. Well, we haven't had the conversation yet, so don't say anything, Mike. I know. We're, are the Bruins indeed the Stanley Cup favorites? Like, this is the question that a lot of people talk to me about that that they are. That they are, I mean, they are the best record. In the the East, definitely. Yes. Um, and uh, they have shown over and over again, they were a team that was one game away, a couple goals away from winning a Stanley Cup last year. They are arguably better than that team. I think this might be a better Bruins team than the team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year. It's, I, I think they are. Um Overall, I think they are. I mean, you, you got to get, you know, you still got to get the great goaltending in the playoffs. But um, well, they, probably having his best year, so I think you can say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, let, let me let me just bring this up because you mentioned his name. Today is the anniversary of the fateful Tuka Rask for Andrew Raycroft trade. <laughs> Four, 14, 14 oh, years ago today. So if you you know the the beginning of the of the of the Leafs Bruins rivalry, thanks to the Fergler John Ferguson Jr. Wow. All right. Well, there you go. But anyway, we're going to talk about. I mean, I looked at I looked at Florida versus the teams. You know how they played this year versus the teams they could potentially play. Um, and they had you know they were pretty good. I mean, they had there were some teams that surprisingly. They've struggled against over the last, either not just this year, but I went, I went two years back. Who are we talking about? Boston. I know, Boston. but he's in Florida. Oh, yeah, so there's a lot of teams that could, at least five teams that could face them. So right, right, right. There's plenty okay. of teams, obviously. I mean, among the teams, when you look at the, the when you look at the battle for the, you know, the little. Oh, wait, if we're talking about Boston. I should be wearing the appropriate hat. There you go. Put it back on. There you go. There you That's go. Right. That's right. Pour one out for the Bruins. Like your pants up, Anthony, too. Uh, one and three against Tampa. You know, so look at the teams they're going to play against in this thing. You know, one and three okay. against Tampa. One and two against Philly. One and two against Washington. Um, well, they're they're going to lose them. 
oddly enough, you know, of, of the top four teams, they they actually struggled against those three. That's teams. sharp analysis. So, you know that means they're going to finish fourth in the round robin, and they're going to play the Leafs in the first round of right. Columbus. Which, right, right, right. By the way, I've already given you my view that I understand how Boston, given it with a ten point lead, would potentially lose the number one seed even I, the round I agree. robin. I agree. The real wild card round. <laughs> well, here you have it. You know, we are in a, we are in a pandemic. Um, all right, so Florida. Um, you know, against the teams they could possibly play. I mean, they they Toronto two and one against Toronto. Uh, they only played Carolina once all year, which is pretty funny, um, because of, obviously they were going to play them again. Three and zero against the Rangers. Um, one of the teams the Bruins handled the best. Um, three and one against Montreal. Zero and two against Columbus. And oddly enough, which is you know not that they're going to play Columbus, but they, you know, they could play Columbus. Obviously, if Columbus were yeah, to win, Columbus keeps advancing. Yeah, I mean, they could play Columbus. Well, uh, two and one against the Islanders, two and one against Pittsburgh. So they were um, and two and one against Florida. They they basically they didn't. I mean, it's not like it's interesting because they the only team they were dominant against were the Rangers. And uh, I mean, I don't I don't know what that says about that's just the regular and, season. And when were those games played? Yeah, I can tell you in a second, actually. Right, so if it wasn't, well, they, just, I mean, they, it wasn't in net, right? A whole different – there's a different – Yeah, no, it's a different – I mean, again, personally, <laughs> all this – I mean, I used to write a whole thing about numbers and everything else before I do my playoff blogs. I don't even know if I'm going to bother doing it because given the length of time between the games and where teams were at that point in time, am I, whatever happened the first 68 to 70-something 70, 70 games of the year – Gets thrown out the window. And it is an actual uh, predictive measure. But Let's I think I, the Rangers Bruins for a second. The Bruins beat them seven four on October twenty seventh. That's a, that was a shootout. That's uh, eleven goals. Um, then they um, they beat the Rangers beat the Bruins three to two in overtime on November 29th. That would be Black Friday. Um, and then on then the last game, the, Rain, the Bruins won three to one on February sixteenth. So that's the closest we have to a real. Right, which means they won three and zero if the Rangers won one. I think the overall. I'm just calling wins and losses. I, I think the, the overall. Rangers, the Rangers didn't win any. The Rangers lost in overtime. I think the overall key when it comes to the Bruins is, and with a lot of teams that are coming into the playoffs, uh, is the health of their organization. Tory Krug will be a hundred percent healthy. Yep. He was hurt for I think the like most of. February and early March. Um, you know, they 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 traded for Kasha. He was injured. He will be healthy. They're they're starting off with nobody out. And that, you know, for a team um that's I mean, that had some injury problems throughout the year. That's gonna be big. Their defense is well right. I mean, especially Chara, somebody who's in his 40s, well rested going into a sprint, a two-month sprint, is gonna be a big key for them. Um, power plays. I like to just look at special teams. You know, I always talk about special teams in the in the playoffs. They really matter. Uh, the Bruins are uh, number two in the NHL in power plays. So obviously, a really good power play. Uh, Twenty five point two percent. Who is number one? Twenty nine point five percent. You guys are this is this kind of surprised me. Number twenty nine point five percent is a hell of a good power play, by the way. Like that's a thirty percent power play, which I'm, I don't think anyone's done in the NHL for a long time. Um, Was it Edmonton? Edmonton, yeah. I mean Edmonton. That's that's like that's amazing. Fifty nine goals on two hundred chances. Um, anyway, the um, so they were number two. Uh, the their the Blues. The Blues were number three in power plays. So the two Stanley Cup finalists, you know, but, were right. But, there. but Krug, Krug is an important part of that power. Oh play. yeah, huge, huge part of that. Yeah. And then penalty kill. Where are they penalty kill? Because that's Bergeron's domain. Yeah, penalty killing uh, a little bit different. Kind of surprising on this one. I was uh, shocked. The Bruins come in at twentieth 
on the penalty. They kill. lost some players. They lost the yeah. Chari. He was on the power penalty kill. They lost like two players, I think, off their penalty kill. Oh, actually, sorry, I'm wrong on this. Uh, I'm thinking. Wait a second. Hold on. I am. I'm wrong. I apologize. I apologize on that. Um, I'm looking at shorthanded defended status instead of power play defended. Sorry about that. Uh, shorthanded defended. They were third. Okay, so they were oh, they were they were third. Edmonton number two. San Jose with the best penalty kill in the NHL this year. Surprising. I mean, Edmonton number two is the is the biggest surprise because, but I, again, yeah. I told you Nugent Hopkins was a part of that. Like, yeah. Tip is a big part of that. Drysdale yeah. also, I think, showed a lot of penalty, some penalty kill minutes as well. Yeah. So eighty four point four percent, the eighty four point two percent, the Bruins were. What, Russ, what I think is most important with Boston, and it's been important for them in terms of the last few years in the playoffs, is to have a one-two punch to be able to take the heat off that big line of Pasternak, uh, Martian and Bergeron. Krejci had a pretty decent year. They've, you know, the, the DeBrusque is, is, imp is improving as a young player. They, they brought in Coyle last year. Now they bring in Kasha and Nick Ritchie from Anaheim. There's enough of a secondary level there that they don't have to completely depend on that top three, that, 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 that uh, MVP line or whatever the hell they call right. it. And if Ritchie stays on the fourth line, they could really grind it out too. Right. Plus defensively, like I, I think the reason why they were so good against a team like the Rangers – Rangers can't match that team defensively. And yeah. The Bruins can match you offensively and defensively, and then that's where it's a tough matchup for anybody to play the Bruins. Even in this kind of weird year that we're going to have, they have so many veterans that I don't expect them to get bounced early. I just don't. Goals scored, they were seventh in the NHL um, with 227. 227 goals against, they were um, – Let's see, they're pretty low here. They were under 200, I believe. Those against, they were first, um, but they were first with 167. Um, and therefore, the, the difference, the goal, goal differential, they were first in the NHL with 60 plus 60 um, goal differential. So that's um, that's really significant, obviously. That's 11 ahead of Tampa, who was in second um, in that, and then followed by Colorado and Philadelphia at four, which is Philadelphia's been terrible goal differential for a while. It's the only reason I bring that up. Pretty impressive that the Flyers were fourth in goal differential this year. That's the uh, AV effect. Yeah, there you go. So, um, but the, so the Bruins, yeah, obviously you're looking at a team that 167 goals is really is giving up only 167 goals in 70 games is really something. I mean, that's like that's a significant. I mean, that's way better than the next closest is 174, um, and then 183. So, I mean, really, and the second best defensive team in the NHL was Dallas. So that's kind of surprising a little bit too. Some of these things are yeah, but, but unlike Dallas. Dallas, uh, Dallas's defense came at the cost of their offense. They're they're play, you know, again using a stratomatic example. Rack, yeah, they're playing a one-zero. They're not taking any offensive chances. Uh, you know, that's why I think they had they were they had less than two hundred goals offense, and they had one hundred and eighty-seven goals against. So, but Boston, yeah. Boston can score. That power yeah. play is is a weapon. And, you know, it's tough not to take penalties against them because they're very chippy. So, I mean – Well, just going to say that, Mike, because the, the penalty minutes against, they were – they more, more penalties were taken against the Bruins than anybody else in the NHL. But you right. say that. Um, they were at 736 penalty minutes against them. Um, and uh, that – Marshawn has something to do with that. Yeah. So that's very mm -hmm. He's a Hall of Fame rat, and I'm using it in the high, in the in the in, in, as a as a compliment because that that's yeah. it's valuable, especially in the playoffs when one power play makes the difference. The second place team in that, by the way, penalties against them, penalties taken against them, the New York Rangers, which is surprising. Yep. They were at seven seventeen. So that was Brendan Lemieux also. Yeah, and and, and I, I believe thirty first in the league is the Leafs. <laughs> 
Is it? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah they, they get the, they have the least amount of power plays in the league. They are no, they are they they're right at their their 30th, 31st is Columbus. Okay, well there well, that'll be about, true, right? about a, a series that shouldn't have many penalties called in it. I mean that's like yeah. <laughs> Columbus and Toronto. I mean well, that's minors for torts. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. There's going to be like we're going to see a lot of lazy penalties early on. We're going to because players aren't going to be at, at their top condition, and there's going to be guy, guys getting dragged down. We can't. I, I can't even go by these numbers in the sense that it will run exactly the same because again, it can't. Oh, it can't. But what I think what they show you is like it's more of a comparative thing. You know, like that's okay. to me like I'm, I'm like Boston as far as you know penalty minutes taken. Um, Boston was sixth with 682 um the team that took the most penalties in the league this year the new york rangers <laughs> 781 i'll i'll say this and maybe this will be con- I, I don't think it's controversial i think a bruins first round loss this year would be a bigger upset than tampa bay losing in the first round ah, i don't know about that. that tampa team was at, i mean it no, you, you might say it runs neck and neck. That Tampa team looked like it was gonna roll last right. night. Right, and, and, and what, what, roll. I can't say and this especially and especially giving Columbus's lack of success. Right, but but there's just no way. What emphasizes that is the sweep. Is I mean, they were swept by Columbus, right. but you know, I, you know, if if Boston is swept, I think it'll be just as or just as i would say as, i would say the closest i would be comfortable saying is as surprising i wouldn't say it was more no i mean they were they were plus 61 goal differential the bruins were the the tampa bay lightning was plus 98. yeah they were insane. <laughs> i mean they, 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 they were parking the bus for three months yeah and also they had a they have a two goal lead in game one early yeah, right. Tampa Bay they got up early when everybody started figuring their, you know, making reservations for the next round. Three round. And then it just collapsed. Yeah. 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 I mean, Boston scored uh 227 goals this year. The Lightning scored 331 goals last year. Now, granted, we got you remember there's a longer season, right? But still, I mean, <laughs> goals per game. Now, Eck, we could talk about how pizza just is horrible in Boston. I mean, that's a reality. Yeah, and no, Boston's not a pizza town either. No. No. No, but that's yeah. But that's that's a great clam chowder. But we have a, but we have a chain of of Boston pizzas in Canada. Go go figure. I know. Yeah, that's, I know. The, that's the it's it's not Boston area pizza. I think it's the corporate name. It's not. I don't think it has an. Well, why? Pizza. It's like I, I don't know. Boston the Boston Market is not a Boston pizza. area thing either. I mean, the Boston yeah, nothing, has nothing says chicken like Boston Market. I know. I agree with you there. That's that's really a. Um, Okay, calling hockey talk. Now we're going to do. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're, we, we were crapping on Chicago earlier. Now we're going to start crapping on. Yeah, well, nobody listening. Boston, you know, <laughs> you get, get get yourself a good lobster roll in Boston. Get yourself a good, you know, get get yourself a good clam chowder. That's what you want there. That's for sure. I hate uh, there's a Dunkin' Donuts every point one miles in town. Every town. Yeah, I've it's actually converted. They got to pay for that Pasternak advertising. Yep. <laughs> You guys, I'm out of that. I think Krispy Kreme donuts are better than Dunkin' Donuts now, and I've actually gone to the that Krispy side. Kreme is better than. You know what happened? I'll tell you what happened with Dunkin' Donuts when they started to freeze their donuts mm-hmm. and then had to thaw them out. Time to make the donuts. Krispy Kreme, oh, you could get Krispy Kreme right off the assembly line. It's better. They're they're yeah. built. They built one in New York now, Russ. Right on like 46th and ah. 6th, they're opening a big one there. 
that I think is going to have the con conveyor belt the whole nine yards. Yeah. So yeah, if you get it with the conveyor belt and you get it right off the assembly line, yeah, they come in hot. But they literally like it's like cotton candy. It literally it just melts, melts in your mouth. Oh, right. but they expanded, but they expanded way too quickly when they got hot. I mean that they, they, yeah. we had one open by us. We had cars literally lined up for like fifteen minutes to get so, the samples coming. Really, off the really, conveyor really, they open. So, so it's right. It, right. It's right next to the hospital where you can get an angioplasty. <laughs> Actually, not far. One wasn't far. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right. So, how can the Bruins lose? Let's throw about that. Like, what what could happen that could cause these this Bruins team to lose, Mike? I mean, you've seen the Bruins more than um, anyone. you well, know. You know, easy, easier said than done. But if there's a team that has a big line that can, I, I don't think you can shut down the Bergeron line, but. Right. By the the way that you can limit them is to make them play defense, and if you make right. them play defense, if you put a if you put an all star line up against, like say if they're playing Florida and they put Huberto and Barkov up against uh, Bergeron and 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 Marchand, and they even draw even, then it puts a lot more weight on and a lot more pressure on the secondary players. Now I think Boston has improved their secondary players that they they can do that, but. It's possible that another team's number one can at least break even. But every, you know, I, I've seen it more than a few times where, uh, like last year, the Tavares line, Hyman, Tavares, and Marner, for the first four games of that series, matched up very well against that line. Yeah. Um, and then and then Hyman got hurt, and I believe they switched to Matthews, and that's when the advantage the advantage swung Boston's way. And then that line, their power it was on that was the line on the power play along with Krejci and Krug, and the power play killed them. So tell you the other thing, Mike. Yeah. Cassidy seems to push the right buttons with that team when he needs to make a change on a line, when he needs to play yeah. a line a little more in that game. Mm -hmm. Last two years, he, he seems to make all the right moves. Yeah, yeah no, the, the only thing I would say that last year that he didn't do, I think he over – and he's got to get away from this. He overused Chara. He, Chara's not 30 years old anymore. Right. He's got capable defenders in McAvoy, in Carlo, uh, in, in Krug, in Grizzlick. Yep. You yep. cannot play – I know that you said, want to. That said, with the time off. Yes. For, for Chara. He's, That'll help. I would say he would cut his usage even more so under a normal circumstance. Yeah, right. He's got a little bit of a luxury here. I think, you know, it allows, it allows Chara to be able to play a little bit more. But I agree. Yeah, I agree. It has to be a better – the, the defensive minute distribution has to be much more evenly spread around. Let's look at the – I looked a little bit at how the Blues beat him. Like, like the Blues beat him in the Stanley Cup last year. And what I felt like the Blues did that – that teams in the East don't do very well against the Bruins is the Blues didn't really care about what Marshawn was doing. Like I really felt like the I felt like the Blues like you know normally when I watch you know when when we watch the Bruins play, I'm always I'm always hyper aware of like you know all the stupid stuff Marshawn's doing. You know like that's something that you look at. Um, and I think because the East Coast we've seen him in regular season games do stupid stuff, but in the playoffs he tends to not do as many stupid things. Um, I, I mean I think I I mean going back to that Stanley Cup I think that the way the way the Blues beat the Bruins was at their own game. They they were more the Bruins, Yeah, the Bruins were not the big – they were not the big physical yeah. team. St. Louis – The Blues were a more physical team. There's no ways about it. They were. Yeah, Boston were trying to outstate them. That was, that was Boston trying to do – that was that yeah. was the part of the series that I thought was amazing to watch was yeah. the fact that the, the Blues were the ones who – they were the ones playing, you know, the, pre, the, the pre, predatory trying to hammer you 
uh, on the four check type yeah. of uh, type of game. I mean, yeah. re remember remember the path that the Bruins <clears throat> went through. I mean, the Toronto series was not a physical series, um, but you know they they played tw twice in the last two years, so there was some heated play. Oh, but yeah. Colum Columbus. Columbus played a really tough game against them. You know that's the way Torts wants to play, and then but but then they they you know I think Carolina Carolina was not an overly physical team, but then the then the Blues stepped it up. So they went through three rounds where one round was a real test, and then the Blues late in the playoffs stepped up the physical play. Guys, you know guys like O'Reilly, guys like Maroon, Petrangelo, Peron, Pareko. Yeah, I mean they they were they were tough. Big team. Big yeah, I mean to me that to me when you look at it, and Mike makes makes a great point that the Bruins in a way had one of the one of the easier passes to the Stanley Cup final you'll ever see. Like, and I don't mean that in anything against the teams they played, but I mean the Maple Leafs were obviously the toughest team they played. I felt, and then Columbus, who you know, after they after they swept Tampa, Columbus had basically won the Stanley Cup for them. That was that was an amazing that was the thing for them. Toughest right. in terms of the, not not toughest in terms of toughness. Toughest yeah, in terms best, of best team, the best team they played um, offensively, but defensively they were inept. So that that's yeah, but, but none of those teams were. I mean, Columbus is good good defensively, but not great offensively. Carolina was not good defensively. No, but uh, I think they'll struggle. I, if they even struggle at all, would struggle more against Columbus than than the uh, Leafs, simply because Torts will have these guys playing tough. Yeah. The Leafs don't play tough. I mean, I don't think the Bruins worry about the Leafs very and, much. And, and the Leafs have a psycho, psychological block when it comes yeah. to the I also felt like the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, the, the 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 auxiliary players beyond that first line didn't step up. Like, I felt like that, you you know, you just saw, like, you know, when, when Marchand and Bergeron weren't scoring like they should be, you know. It looks, I mean, they were scoring, but not as they should be. Yeah, they, they, they let's just say this: they weren't getting as much out of the Corrales and the Acharis. Yeah, those guys were great. Getting the Stanley, there. I mean, those guys were difference makers in the first couple rounds. They, yeah, they were great getting there, but once they got there, there there was not much to write about. I mean, you know, they're they really. I mean, the Bru the Bruins also faced. I mean, the, the Bruins were the better team a lot of the time, and I mean, I watched a bunch of those games live. The Bruins looked like a better team, but they didn't. They didn't. They weren't great finishers. There wasn't like there wasn't. There's not a whole. There wasn't a whole lot of skill finishing beyond that first line, and they were. You know, although you know, obviously Bennington played really well and made some great saves at key times. They also Bruins just didn't have snipers. Like they, they their snipers weren't you know weren't sniping. No, but but the thing that you said was actually a big key. Bennington made the right saves at the yeah. right times. Oh, that, yeah, was, that was a big key, and I think the other key was like Braden Shen was really getting the best of Boston. Like that was yeah. the best we've seen Braden Shen ever play. Oh yeah, that was definitely, and you know, and and Jaden Schwartz had. I mean, there were some really yeah. good players in that series. That that definitely, and and the defense, the the Blues defense, oh, the defense is solid. We know the that defense owned that series. I mean, in my opinion, yes. they're the ones who won that series. They, I mean, not just not just defending but scoring too. That defense was just deadly. They scored big goals that overtime goal. You know, they got they did. Yeah. That defense was definitely. So I mean, if you're going to beat the Bruins, I think you got to do it from the goal out. You know, you got to do it from the goaltending. Well, out. I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, you need a hot goaltender, but I think the only way you can beat them is by limiting that number one line. That number one line is the key to everything. If you but after ten minutes in that final game, nobody thought the Bruins were beaten right. St. Louis. Yeah, no, they had basically for them to win in St. Louis, it took all they could muster just yeah. to do that. Well, right, and they, right. and they trounced them, and then. 
everybody kind of knew at, at that be a, a big task to beat them again. At that point in Game Seven, I noticed Marshand and Pasternak had no gas left. They were yeah. they were exhausted. I've never been in a, in a press box like we were in the press box in that. Rush was right like next to me in that press box in the yep. game seven, and we—I remember, remember this rush, but like we were with around around some Bruins reporters, like bloggers and things like mm -hmm. that. And I don't ever remember being in a game seven situation in a, another team's building with less confident people. I know than, than those Bruins reporters were. They going into that game, they you, they just they just felt like there was no way they were going to win that game. I know it's you know, true. They were playing the Leafs, it was really bizarre. I mean, they watch them all the time. So they had the was the most excited guy there from. <laughs> They have that reason. Team. And you look at that, like uh, somebody who watches a team play all the time, they just they know like the ebb and flows of that right. team. And Which they, is a strange thing when you lose a game six at, in your building and you would figure there's a little bit of a momentum swing there. But yeah. you saw basically Boston, it did. It had that feeling of a team emptying the tank yeah. and hoping for a miracle at going back home. More like yeah. saving off a loss rather than gaining the series. Yeah, this wasn't Bruins Vancouver yeah. for sure. This They did not – you. Then you knew they had the momentum in that series. This one, yeah, it just felt like they were holding on for dear life. And well, you've seen okay, so the final before because the Stanley Cup final, when you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup in your building, the pressure is unbelievable. Like, and, and then when you when you're when you're the Blues who lose Game Six in your building, that that sucked. I mean, the Blues were the Blues wanted to win that game really badly, but Game Seven feels like it. So you feel like when you lose Game Six, if you're the Blues, you feel like you've lost the series. Um, but then you'll have another chance to win the series. I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I just had Ruby on a show a couple weeks ago, and I spoke to Keith Kachuk right after I lost. There wasn't one person that I spoke to in the St. Louis camp that didn't think they were going to go to Boston and not win. They yeah. all knew they were going to win. They all sort of gave the same answers like, you know what? We're better than this. This was just a bad game. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think the pressure did that. But there is a disappointment there. Into it. So okay, so let uh, like my expectation is that we're going to see the Bruins either in the conference final or the Stanley Cup final. I think they make it that far. What do you What do you think? Um, it it is so hard to say, but I mean, I think I think I think they're in the. I think they're yeah, they're definitely a final four team. I don't know if they're a final team, but I think I think I think they're definitely a final. I'll four say team. conference final because we never know about injury. Right. Yeah. I mean. I, I don't know that they're a Stanley Cup team though. Like I really, as good as they were this year, I don't think they're. I don't think they're as dominant. set up, it makes things even more interesting. Um, especially if they don't have that top. If they don't end up coming out with the top seed after the um, the wild card, there could be legitimate. You know, you're saying these games aren't a big deal, but they they really they really are. They really are. <laughs> they slip. That after earning that kind of a lead and feeling like it's been taken from them, they either go one of two ways: either they get indignant about the fact that they, you know, this occurred, or they take they they use it as fuel. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, I think on the one hand, as you said, they get a benefit because Chara is refreshed; he can yeah. basically log a ton of minutes. The flip side of that, as we discussed, is the lack of momentum. Right? They they had progressed so well during the season. They likely would have entered the playoffs on a high as the number one seed, carrying right. all the momentum into that playoffs. Now they start, in essence, from scratch, like every other team does. On paper, they have a ton of benefits, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate onto the ice when game action begins. The one, the the one preseason game that everybody's going to play, though, they're going to be awful. Yeah, 
And the weird yeah. thing about that, of all the teams, I've I've done the, I've done the records of all the teams, all the of the top four teams in each conference. Um, and if you were to just take those eight teams and figure out how good they were against those against each other, so they're the top four teams in each conference against each other, the Bruins are the worst of those teams. And that's the strange thing for them finishing in the press. Mitch shows you that the Bruins definitely dominated teams. They dominated bad teams, um, without question. But I think they, they swept Buffalo. What was that? I think they swept Buffalo. Yeah, I mean they dom they they dominated teams that, but they but you know like you said one and three against Philly one one and two against Philly one and three against Tampa one and two against Washington they they really when it came to the other tough teams in the league they were not as good now they were very good at the end of the year I mean when they played Philly in the last game yeah. you know that were really good in that game I mean they looked yeah, they like, don't fear anybody like after you're right Eck. after that game and that was like the first time we had to do social distancing. Yeah. game and I knew it was the beginning of the end anyhow but the one thing I took away from that was Rask being so ridiculously calm mm -hmm. just during the game and after the game and Cassidy basically just not having a worry in the world like he basically he has so much depth on that team that he probably doesn't worry about that one injury or even that two injuries yeah. unless it's Chara because he's got somebody he could plug in. Like, even goalie-wise, he has somebody he could plug in. If yeah. he loses Bergeron, he's in trouble. Um, why don't we finish off on this, Russ, because we were talking about this uh, before the show, about the sort of changing strategy that some teams might have going into this draft regarding, you know, players. Uh, and, and this is oh, happening yeah. regarding players who are college players, regarding players who are European players, because with – you know, the, the, the limitations in terms of scouting, you know, video or interviewing players via Zoom, teams might be more apt to take players that they don't have to make a decision on right away within two years, CHL players that they have to sign within two years. They may want that extra time to have more of an idea of what these players are going to be. Yeah, I, I just spoke to a few players recently, Philip Tomasino, who's with Nashville and Ty Tulio, who hasn't been drafted yet, and, and and a few others before that. And what they're telling me is the Zoom calls, there's been more than one, you know, after the pause because, you know, a lot of these guys didn't go to the top prospects game, so they didn't have any testing. They only got to see them through, like, March, whatever. There's yeah. no playoffs. They might, you know, go by previous year what they did. But basically if they have a question that comes up, they just schedule a call. Like, I don't think they're calling them that often, but they're doing it more than just the one interview that they would do at the combine, but they're not grilling these guys. Like we expect them to grill them because they had already spoken to them during the year. And because of the regularity of these zoom calls, it's not as intensified as the uh, interview process was once, yeah. once was like at the, at the combine. That's one thing. And then I do agree, Mike and I were talking about, and I think if you are a team that scouted Europe really well in the last two years, you know, pre-draft for some of those guys and then now draft year this year, I, I think you're going to draft a lot of those guys because you don't have to sign them right. two years out like you do CHL players. And I do think a lot of the overagers, overagers again, we saw them last year. We're going to see them again this year. And I do think there's going to be college players coming in late second on out because, again, yeah, you could let those guys play another three years in college if you want, especially if there's uncertainty even with next year. Yeah. You know, if there's uncertainty next year and you sign somebody and they can't really play anywhere, you've got a, only one more year left unless they amend the rules to have to at least sign that player to an ELC. 
that's, you know, now you're talking an element of risk that never used to exist. So I do think it's changing drafting strategies. I think it's interesting. That's a really interesting point. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the Zoom interviews, if you're thinking about a player too, it's way easier to do a Zoom interview. Oh, absolutely. And it's to sit in a room with like 10 people from the other team. Yep. In a little, in like a little cubicle. Like they usually do. I mean, I remember teams have talked to these guys during the season too. We always act like, well, they don't talk to them until the combine, but that's not really true. Right. That's not true. Yeah. That's crazy. I think about that. that, But I wonder if you get a more realistic interview with a Zoom interview than you do. Like, because. Well, I mean, I could tell you Tulio sounded a lot more confident and comfortable during the Zoom interview than, you know, and he didn't say compared to the combine because he doesn't know. But he was saying how comfortable he was in those interviews. And I think it's for those reasons that you just said, Eck. It's hard to have an edge on a Zoom interview where I guess if you're in a room with 10 people from an organization, if nothing else, you feel the eyes on you. You're you're 17 years old or whatever it is. You know, I mean, think about that. I mean, your whole career has been leading to this moment. And now suddenly you're standing with 10 people from the Boston Bruins. I mean, that's got to be unbelievably scary. I mean, just like. Any, on anybody, you know, like yeah. any of these kids. I mean, I know, I know, I know that there are there are courses. Like, I know there's people out there that they that get hired to help them practice those things. I've I've talked to people who do this. Like their job is to talk to is to help prospects prepare for these meetings with ten people or whatever. Yeah, but one of the one of the things that going to a number of I haven't gone to as many as Russ has, but going to the a number of the draft combines here in Buffalo. The question I always like to ask because these players. Yes, they've been tutored, they've been coached, but that's why these teams will throw out the weird question to throw them off. And we, I always ask them, what's the weirdest question that you were asked? And, you know, it's I've heard so many bizarre answers. That- right. It doesn't seem like they're doing that this year. Like Tulio said, it's basically been interviews like just sort of getting to know you. Right. I think it's better. They're probably getting a better – they're probably getting a better – I think in a in, in a Zoom like setting, it's tougher because there's something. And granted, we're all looking at one another and see each other's facial expressions, but I think there's something that's different when you're in the room and oh, yeah. the stimulus is different in this yeah. case when you have multiple screens versus multiple people in the yeah, same sure. room. I mean, I'm more I'm more comfortable. Like I'm more comfortable talking to people. You know, I'm not really super comfortable talking to people a lot. Like, I'm, I'm just not, I'm not a great, I'm not a really social, social, like butterfly type character. I'm more comfortable in this scenario, you know, honestly, yeah. in my life. I mean, so, so, so to me, that's just like, yeah. And I think a lot of hockey players are that way too, honestly. Yeah. And so I do think interviews are coming off differently this year. And again, that's why, again, because there's been so little testing why I'm really just shocked we haven't heard anything about Arizona, but I guess they're going to let the season roll out and finish first, and then we're going to hear about it. Yeah, I am surprised that we didn't hear anything, too. Like, it doesn't sound like they're going to get any, like, you know, I mean, I don't know if they're going to get punished going to this draft or not, you know? Right. That's a good question. All right, well, we'll be talking about the draft tomorrow, right? Because – Yep, yep. On Friday, we've got the, uh, the draft lottery. And just the only thing I'll say now, because to sort of lead into it for tomorrow is – you know they're going to break – whatever the previous record is for for eyeballs on that draft lottery, they're going to break it this no, year. No, the lottery is, the lottery is Friday. Yes. The lottery is Friday. Okay. I guess uh, we'll start talking about it from – maybe we'll talk about it on Friday. Yeah. Just, but, well, just one, one note here, um, breaking this, that might have an effect on the NHL next year. 
when obviously they're they're, they're going to delay the beginning of next season to January. Uh, Ian Rappaport, who covers the NFL, is saying the NFL is considering letting local authorities determine attendance levels at NFL games. Oh, my goodness. So, for example, if it's spiking in Tampa, then they won't allow anybody, but if there's no – no COVID in, in, in New York City. They may allow people go, to go to Jack. Will the NHL allow local authorities to determine how many play, how many people will go to uh, Scotiabank Arena or the Key Bank Center? Like, I don't have a choice so. not to do that. I mean, is there, like, can they, like, can, you know, I, mean, I don't know that they have a choice in that matter. I think that, that the, as the NFL, what the NFL is saying there is just like, that's the reality of it. I mean, if, if, if the governor or the mayor of a town says you can't do this in that building, well, he's, they're, 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 they're putting the ball in their court act. They're, they're saying, we, we will waive all, waive all responsibility here. We're putting it in the local municipal, municipalities, uh, uh, you know, putting it on them to make well, them have no fans. Then you have no worries. Right. But they want fans. So I, I think what they're yeah. saying is, and, and what they'll do, Russ, is they'll put pressure behind the scenes to have them allow people. So, but they can't be blamed for it because they're not the ones who made the decision. Yeah. yeah, but that's still that's, that's a slippery slope. slope. It's, it's not going to be that cut and dry, Mike. It will not. They will not be able to abdicate all responsibility because it's still their event. Right. All right. So let's we get we haven't done this for a while. We're going to do it today. Draft lottery. Draft draft lottery. lottery. Yeah, have they, well, have they augmented the? I have augmented it. I just looked oh, it up okay. to, to include like team A, B, C. So it says it just was, are in there. That that I'm in for it. Thanks yeah. to our friends at Tankathon.com. We were. On you guys before TSN was just for, don't forget that. Um, all right, so here we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, apparently they have because it says here if you look at it, it what says it? lottery phase one. Yep. Um, so right. it says here the NHL decided to do a weird lottery. If any of the top eight to fifteen teams, do you have to, uh, anyway, but the simulation should the odds on the site are a little screwy now, but the simulation should be accurate. Um, all right, let it roll. Let it roll. Here we go. Similarity. All right, the LA Kings. Oh. <laughs> Buffalo second. Buffalo second. Buffalo second is perfect. That's so, perfect. So does that mean that Kim Pagula walks up to the – oh, there won't be a stage. That's right. I'm sorry. I forget. Wait, yeah. so this, can this happen, though, this way? Is this no, it can't because San Jose – Yeah. Right. No, this, this, this is – Otto gets that – yeah, so it's Otto. Really only looking – yes. fifth pick. No way. I guess the only thing we're looking at here is the odds are basically the same for the top pick. Well, floor, no. What this is saying is that the third pick is going to be one of the eighteen, one of the eight teams, because that third slot is going to be like Team A or Team B or whatever. Yeah. And then after Phase Two, it's determined that Florida got the pick. Right, but I'm telling you, there's a zero percent chance that Ottawa, their first pick is the number five pick it, that, that, that's a zero percent chance yeah. based on the fact that they have the most balls in it so this is right. not right yeah, yeah. Those, they, they, at the worst the first pick they're going to have is third right look so the on three of them they haven't gotten any higher than four i know i'm looking at this here there you go third there they go that was the top pick number one. finally did it not okay. sorry tankathon you lose <laughs> yeah unfortunately all right well, drawing board Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you again tomorrow. I hope. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.